This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello. And welcome to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And for those of you that are new to the show, uh, just a real quick overview of what you can expect uh, in listening to this uh, podcast and then actually subscribing to the uh, podcast. The idea uh, of soul, it doesn't have a religious uh, orientation in terms of what we're talking about here. Soul has to do with the way that the Greeks defined it, that force or that energy that brings things into being, that aliveness, the things that, uh, that, that aspect of a unique element that makes it different, that actually allows it to have a personality, if you will, of its own. Uh, in the Sanskrit, it was called the rasa, you know, the, the thisness of something that uh, actually makes it unique in and of itself. And <clears throat> that rasa, that thisness, is part of the expression of the soul, um, the spirit that permeates all all life and actually, from my perspective, the entire universe. And it's fundamentally rooted in uh, nature uh, from my perspective. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and one of the things that I learned real early on was that nature was a pretty good teacher if I paid attention. And one of the things that I paid attention to was how things seemed to be interconnected. Not just some things, but everything seemed to be interconnected. And it's that interconnection that speaks to me when we start looking at how businesses operate and or how they actually contribute or not contribute to the well-being and the health of uh, everything on this planet. So... What we explore in this podcast are a number of different points of view around what does it mean to have a soul in, uh, in business? What does the soul of business actually confer on business owners, business, uh, business leaders, consumers of business products, that sort of thing. So that uh, is an invitation for you to listen with perhaps a little different perspective than what you might typically have listened to. And the guests that we have on here uh, are pretty eclectic, evolutionary biologists, uh, CEOs, um, and our guest today is certainly no different. He is uh, a very unique individual and I think has a very different perspective that I'm very much looking forward to getting into. Um, Gary Collins, and I'll just kind of take a couple of things from uh, his website. Uh, He does have an interesting and unique background, a military intelligence special agent for the U.S. State Department, Diplomatic Security Service, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I mean, very interesting in that he's got an MS, a master's degree in forensic science and a bachelor's in criminal justice, as well as an associate degree in exercise science. What I find fascinating about Gary um, is where he's... uh, 
living right now, not physically, you know, which is in and of itself a, a wonderful place, Northeast Washington State, but his orientation is around the simple life. And just you know, how can we as human beings on this planet actually de-stress, detoxify, and actually approach what we're doing from a, from a simpler perspective? And all of this is organized around, from me, as I looked at what he was bringing to the table here, how I enhance my experience of living on this planet, and as a consequence, enhance the likelihood that others are going to be uh, in a more generative and healthy place as well. So that's kind of my introduction to Gary. And Gary, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, and I'm looking very much forward to this conversation. Um, I start everything with a uh, question, uh, and it's the only question that I typically will lead with on this show. Um, the soul of business, for you, what does that evoke? What does it kind of bring to mind for you? Well, it's life in general, right? The soul of business should be a reflection upon our ability and our want to do better for humanity. That's how I look at it. Uh, in our business world, different business areas are a reflection of the people who run them. So kind of today, we were discussing this a little before, how I'm pretty aggravated with the state of business today, especially big business. And the reflection of the personality of those businesses is a direct reflection of the people who are running them. And I wish they would do some serious soul searching because uh, I think we're in a place we don't need to be. Um, you know, social media, I talk about it a lot in, in everything I write about. You know, social media is not geared to be a social platform for us to interact. It is all of it, all the creators made it to gather information. Yeah. It's, it's, it's data scraping. That's what it's for. Yeah. And, you know, even, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an Apple user. Love Apple. Loved them in the day. Today, they've become so inherently greedy in their business practices. It drives me nuts. I mean, get rid of my headphone jack. So now I have to buy new, new headphones, you know, and now I need get rid of my USB port. So now I've got to buy a bunch of adapters. Now my most recent MacBook came from China directly. It came with a bill labeling, labeling from China. And they told me it was a special order, even though it's the exact same schematic that I've always ordered in the past. There was nothing custom about it. I got a problem with that. I got a serious problem with that. Yeah, and it's interesting that you cite Apple in that regard because at one point in time, Apple actually was an exemplar of, I mean, I look yep. at some of the stuff that, uh, that Steve Jobs actually you know, championed, which was end user experience. Yeah, the hardware and software was a way to do that, but it was a portal to an experience. And that experience yep. was ennobling to the human spirit from my perspective. That's, I mean, uh, I, I'm a raving Apple fan and have been for years. And I concur with some of the stuff that you're talking about right now. My wife just got a new uh, MacBook Pro. And we had to get new dongles for everything because there was no uh, USB port. Yep. And, uh, yeah. yep. What's that about? Yeah. Um, yeah and I think I, their accessories are cheap. Reason, but that's the migration strategy just doesn't work well. Well, think about it. Those, those dongles, uh, I had to buy, I think I have five of them, four of them. So basically, I spent over $100 for something so I can hook up USB devices. Think of every Apple user or every MacBook user in general now has to spend an extra $100 just to plug in USB devices. Not to, 
Not even to go into the fact that now a phone costs over $1,000. Are you kidding me? That's almost the same price I paid for my first car. Yeah. I can't drive that phone around. That phone's not going to pay the bills and get me to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's insanity. And I feel, I feel to the point where I'm being taken advantage of. And when that happens, and I'm not the only one. A lot of people I know who are, who are Apple users say the same thing. And Steve Jobs, even though he wasn't necessarily the nicest guy in the world from all accounts and all the stuff I've read and watched, but he was a visionary in the sense that Apple was created to create. That's yeah. what its primary purpose was. Open your imagination. Create the things that benefit humanity. We're, we're way, way away from that today. Everything is about selling you something. And the fact that 70 plus percent of our economy is based on consumerism. Mm -hmm. And you always hear on the business channels, right? The consumer index, you know, consumer spending's down. We've got to do something to get consumer spending up. That is short for telling you, you need to spend more of the money you do not have to buy useless items you do not need in order to prop our economy up. Yeah. What? No. No, no, <laughs> to go from a consumer economy to a producer economy. That's right now, big business rules all. And I'm, I was, I'm going to break out the math on the top 10 richest people in America mm -hmm. to prove a point. I won't do it here. I'm going to do it in another format of taking the hundreds of billions of dollars they're worth and showing that if they did what they said they're about, which is helping people. If they took 1% of their worth, how many community centers and health clinics they could, they could build across the country. I already know from the preliminary, it's thousands with 1%, yeah, 1% of their money. And people go, well, why are you taking from the rich? Are you anti-capitalist? No, these people are getting richer off our backs. And at the same time, eliminating our jobs. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with someone who thought I was being kind of anarchist. And I went, no, 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 no. I am not an anarchist. I believe in some of the, the views, but I'm not an anarchist. I don't believe in overthrowing the government and, you know, creating chaos. That never ends well. What I was talking about was that th they need to kind of reorder the economy in the sense of what built this country was small mom and pops, yep. farms, small businesses, people helping each other. Just a hundred years ago, most people were farmers just a hundred years ago. Yeah. And what we've done is we've all evolved into this consumer base. Well, mom and pops can't automate and that's not a bad thing. It means their primary expenditure, their primary way to make a living is human capital people. Mm -hmm. That's what they need to grow their business. They need people. Big companies can automate you straight out of the workforce because they have the resources to automate. Well, that is going to eliminate your job. So the more money you keep spending on these companies and the more money you spend you don't have, the more, more bigger mortgage you get, the bigger car loan, the more credit card debt, student loan debt, you are actually slitting your own throat in this economy. You are eliminating yourself by making terrible decisions. And I don't blame the people because we're brainwashed, me included, to make these bad decisions. Yeah, the, the, the consumer-driven economic model, and, it, and to your point, it wasn't 
historically that way. It has evolved to that, partly as a consequence of a move from enlightened self-interest, which is what Adam Smith talked about with the invisible hands yep. of, of his, his market economy, to uh, rational self-interest, which is I get mine and you, know, you take care of yourself, which is all, all organized around the, the profit, which the only way that I can leverage and maximize profit is to increase consumer, you know, consum you know, consumption on an ongoing basis. The problem with that in large part is the debt load that gets incurred to continue to prop that engine up. It is yeah. it's not sustainable. It is absolutely not sustainable. And wealth disparity, is, you know, the social inequity, there's a lot of things obviously that kind of come into play with this. The point I want to come, come to here though is your reference to mom and pop. Um, there's, there's, and this is in the context of the soul of business. The value proposition of large businesses is organized typically. I'm seeing some shifts in that in some areas, but it's typically organized around exactly what we're talking about here, which is con consumption. That's the value proposition. I want to sell you more widgets, and you know, I'm going to take more money from you, and I've got to continue that you know, uh, Faustian bargain you know, to keep things moving. The value proposition early on, and this is where enlightened self-interest came into play, was on the, on the basis of value creation, which is people-centric. Do you feel better yeah. about yourself as a consequence of trading with me? Do you feel better about yourself in the presence of my product or service? That's to the point we were talking about earlier. I don't feel good about myself when I have to buy a computer or when I buy a computer that requires me to buy something else just to continue using it. That we've missed the mark there. That wasn't the case early on with Apple. I've, I've got the first box, or I've got the box of the first iPhone I bought, and I bought the first generation iPhone. I was delighted. I had been working with Nokia at the time, and the flip phone, and you know, the I mean, yeah. text was agonizingly frustrating on those old phones. Apple comes along with something that delighted me. From a value perspective, I felt good about being with this phone. <laughs> we called it a phone, but it was actually a terminal. Yeah. So the, that value, and it was consistent with what Steve Jobs was trying to make happen, which was the expression of the, from me, my language, of the soul of that, that organization at that point in time, consumer experience. Everything was predicated from ideation all the way through to delivery on do you feel good as a consequence of buying this product? We've moved away from that in so many ways. John Maynard Keynes, interestingly, uh, said, if capitalism realizes its promise, we will at one point in time, and this is a paraphrase, be faced with what do we do when we don't have to work? And his, his assumption was that you know, wealth would be created, and that is the promise of capitalism. And by and large, it has done that. But we've done it in a way that is uh, almost cancerous at this point in time. Um, and it's, and it's debt-fueled. So moving away from that gets us back to the, the, the ground zero that we can actually you know, begin to creatively reconstitute what it means to be human in a business environment. Well, the problem is we, we don't really function in a capitalistic society. We, we function in a crony capitalism society and an oligarchy. Yep. They are very intertwined, our massive bloated government and our massive bloated corporations. My attitude on business is the old 
model. I need to produce something that you need and can help you in life, which in return helps me, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's not about narcissistic self first. It's about, yes, I need to survive. I need to create something, but my attitude and what I do in my business, and I've done it to a detriment to my bottom line, is I'm going to do this the right way. I spent half my life in the federal government. <laughs> Trust me, I know the wrong way. And I always said, I'm going to do it with my own rules and I'm going to do it my way. And part of that was because I was sick of the system. I was sick of what it was doing and what it's doing to us. Because like you said, the shareholder rules all. You like the little PR campaigns that are coming out right now? We're shifting our focus corporately now. We're not focusing on the shareholders. Oh, sure you're yeah. not. Right. Because the majority of the shareholder is the creator. It is uh, Zuckerberg. He is one of the main stockholders. You think he's not interested in benefiting the stockholder? And then these people, this is the part that really gets me as a, an investigator. I, and being the government, I can see through their smoke screens. I've been around all these people. I've seen them just <laughs> bloatify BS to multi, immense proportions. So they're saying, tax us more. We want to be taxed more. No, you don't. You don't pay taxes right now. You pay capital gains taxes on those dividends from those stocks that you own, which is less than the average American. And also, you can write a check. You can click that box on your IRS return and you can pay more taxes anytime you want. Mm -hmm. So stop with that. And the reason they're saying that, they do want taxes raised on the wealthy, just not them. Because they're already wealthy by being stockholders in massive companies. For me and you, Blaine, to go up the ladder to become multimillionaires, heck, you maybe, I don't know, personally, I'm not, I'm trying. Um, but to get there, what they're doing is they're unleveling the playing field. Right. Because now they're at a different tax rate, but me and you are going to get hit with the getting rich tax rate, which eliminates their competition right away. Yep. Very intelligent way of going about things and being a real crappy human being. Yeah. And that's the part where I'm getting upset is they're, they're lying to us and they're tricking us and they play us for fools. And if you want to be greedy, just tell me you're going to rip me off to my face and I'll deal with it. But to tell me you're benefiting me and you're doing me a favor, then ripping me off, yeah. that just tells me you're an awful person in general, you know, and, and to me, billionaires, I've discussed this and people think I'm anti-capitalism in this way too, or, or having, uh, something against rich people. I do not. My problem is that I don't understand the, the concept of a billionaire. And this is in a rational sense for people who don't know. And there's a lot of Americans, I'm sure not on your show, but if you were to ask the average American, how much a billion dollars is, they wouldn't know. It's a thousand million dollars. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's more money than my family, their family, the Neanderthal descendants, anyone has ever accumulated in our entire chain of family in our entire existence on this planet. One billion dollars. <laughs> we have people who have hundreds of billions of dollars. And to me, once you get to a billionaire, even well before that, your duty should be to do better. Yeah. Not to accumulate more of that. That's the problem I have with it. Well, and that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
one of the one of the um, paradigms that I think has taken root, unfortunately, is the notion of that accumulation is good. Accumulation yeah. is not good. I mean, again, I'm going to go back to nature. Nature does not, in any way, shape, or form, accumulate anything. As a matter of fact, when accumulation begins, it's usually a you know, it's usually a a catastrophe waiting to happen. I'll just you know. The beaver sets Absolutely. a dam up. That's where disease comes from. Yeah, exactly. Disease comes up, stagnation sets in, all of this sort of thing. Money, money is energy that needs to circulate. And if it's not circulating, and I write about this in, in Compassionate Capitalism, uh, if it's not circulating, it is going to become uh, damaging. And, and, and it does become damaging. That kind of accumulation is not healthy in any way, shape, or form. So to the point, and, and, and I do applaud nope. Warren and some of the other folks for saying, let's just give this money back. You know, start giving it away. Doing, you know, there, there's things that are going on in that area from a recognition standpoint. Now, they can't give it away fast enough. You can't give away a billion dollars very easily. It's, it's hard to do. You need to circulate it. And if you start circulating it earlier, you, know, you made a, notion, a comment about the getting rich tax. There is there is a distinction there to be made. It uh, the game is not yeah. played fair. It is not wired fair. Yeah, it it really isn't, and that is a consequence of the way that we have approached business. Business has approached you know, the entire infrastructure from the perspective of its everything is not connected. I remember real early on in my life, so, you know, people cautioning me: be careful, it's a jungle out there, as if a jungle was a bad thing. I would much rather live in a jungle than in a desert, quite frankly. Um, yeah. Jungles are, you know, they're verdant, they're, 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 there's interconnection, it's filled with life, it's teeming. And deserts have life as well, but the scrabble, uh, the scramble the, you know, in a desert is much different than it is you know, in, in a jungle. The only true market system I've ever seen is a natural one. And by natural, and I mean it's nature. Nature is a true market system if, if we get our hands off of it. It's, it's a free market. What we call a free market today is anything but that. It is so bent in, in favor of certain outcomes that you know, all bets are off, except those who know how to make the bet. Well, and nature is programmed. I, I'm like you. I look at nature for everything. Nature is programmed to not allow hoarding. By design. By design. And what you have with all these large businesses and uh, a small minority of the world. I mean, there's a hundred people that control close to 90% of the wealth in the world. Mm -hmm. When you have this hoarding effect, first of all, it's against nature. It's not meant to be. And by accumulating this much wealth and not doing good with it, you're basically creating a power vacuum. And that's why I teach three principles in everything I teach with the simple life is you need to regain your, your health. You need to find your optimal health. You need to find your financial freedom by being debt free and you need to find your life purpose. Yep. And the problem today is 90% of Americans don't do one of those, let alone all three. Yeah. If you regain those, what you're doing is you're, you're taking the power from those entities, the government, big business, big healthcare, you're taking it back and bringing it to yourself yeah. because our healthcare. Yeah. 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 Enumerate those three again, just because you, know, you went by those and they're important. And I want my yeah. the listeners to really kind of get what this, what you're, what you're talking about here. Cause it's important. 
Yeah, and, and people are pretty baffled that it's this simple. Three main, main concepts. So getting, regaining your health, and people go, regaining my health? I'm totally healthy. No, you're not. Look at the statistics in this country. We are the most obese country in the world by a long shot. We are more obese, have more obese individuals than China. <laughs> China has a heck of a lot more people than us. Yep. You know, finding your financial freedom, and by that I'm releasing my financial freedom book here, and it's all done with basic math. First book I've ever seen done this way. It was really hard to write, but I did it. Um, and that's being debt-free. I'm in my house on 50 acres in the mountains. I own this outright. I do not have a payment. I live off the grid. I run everything on solar. I don't pay utility bills. I'm going to tell you, this is the most peaceful part of my life I've ever lived. Yeah. I don't have the same drags on, on me that most people do. Life purpose. We are, we are kind of stumbling around this planet without life purpose. Mm -hmm. That is where you get greed. That's where you're getting these sociopathic tendencies. Me, me, me. Life purpose is about finding something that you would do no matter what, even if you couldn't make a living doing it. Yeah. Purpose. Yep. It's about finding your passion. I know passion doesn't, it does not feed you. It doesn't pay the bills. But if you do it right, it will. Yeah. We've been told through structure that we need to go to college. We need to major in whatever we want today, which is baffling to me as well. You don't need a college education except for professions that require a college education. And then we're told to go in debt, get credit cards, go in debt, go out, get your first job. The average college student is upside down and they can't even make their minimum loan payments and survive mm -hmm. out of college. And they're earning $54,000 a year to start. I've done the math. I do the math in my book. Every college student who follows the system is upside down once they get out of college. They yep. cannot sustain themselves off yep. $54,000. The debt load's too big already. Yep. So yeah, that, that's why I bring up those three points so much is it's, it's the three-legged stool, right? We've always heard that of life. This I truly is. You, I milk them on a, a three-legged stool. <laughs> Yeah, you fix those three things and I'll guarantee your life will be much better. But not only that, you'll truly be free. Yeah. See, the, now, your, your whole purpose in life right now is organized. And this is my language for it. So feel free to you know, amend it. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the simple life, you know, that's yeah. uh, if, if I had a you know, hat rack to hang my hat on and say, this is what Gary's about. It's the simple life. Now, you've, yes. you've got a number of books out around that. So, yeah, how did you get from federal government to simple life? Well, that's a good one. Um, it, and it wasn't planned. I grew up very remotely. I grew up very poor. I grew up, you know, in a town of 1,800 people roughly. The town I was attached to was 20 miles, 25 miles away. It was less than 100 people. Grew up in a single wide beat up mobile home first kid to graduate from college in my family. I aspired to do better. I followed the system as I was told. By the time I uh, left the government, I'd spent half my life working for the government in one shape or form. And I was burned out. I was disillusioned. I'd lost faith in humanity. I was just beat up. And I went, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I kind of reflected back to what made me happy in life. And I went, well, when I was poor, most of us were poor, so we didn't even know we were really poor because all of us were in the same boat. Yeah. 
And I had my biggest items were my baseball mitt, my basketball, my football, my shotgun, my dog, and my Walkman and my bike. Those are all the things I had. Probably less than what most kids, 14, 13-year-olds have in their cell phone today. Mm -hmm. I had all those. That was all I had. And I was in bliss most of the time. Long as I had those items, free range kid, there was no cell phones, no pagers. When I left the house in the morning, all that was expected is I came home for dinner. That was it. Yep. No, they couldn't find me. They didn't know where the heck we were at half the time. That's the way it was. And I looked at that and I went, okay. And during my government time, I was, I'd already started a side business in real estate. And I was also wanted to get back to that. So I was already looking for land and remote areas to live in, just smaller places outside of the city. And so when I left, I started a health company because I've always been an athlete and passionate about health. So I wanted to do something I loved. So I was training high-end athletes, kids who wanted to go to major colleges and play football primarily. And then people, just everyday people I worked one-on-one with who were trying just to get their life back. Mm-hmm. And it ended up talking about health, but we ended up talking about a lot of other things such as finances and all that. I sold my house in Southern California, sold almost all my belongings, completely started over, went minimalist, uh, downsized my place by about 70%, uh, reduced my debt load and what my monthly payments and everything were by two thirds, bought an RV, moved into an RV, found my land and just started this kind of life journey. And there was no rules. No one was holding my hand. I just had to figure it out. Uh-huh. And so by doing that, it evolved in this house. I, the, the house I built up here, was there was no book ever intended to be written about it. Not even in my mindset. I did a podcast interview. I, I was the primal paleo health guy. And the host goes, so what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I just bought 20 acres. I'm about ready to try and build a house off the grid. It's been a passion of mine for about a decade. He goes, whoa, 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 hold on. We've never talked about that because a friend of mine. So we've never even talked about this. I went, well, there was no reason to. It's what I want to do personally. It had nothing to do with business, anything else. I got a ton of emails off of it from the interview. People asked me what I was doing, how I was doing it. I went, oh my God, my next book is already written. I didn't even know it. So I started documenting the thing and slowly the business model started turning as my life turned. So I was on an adventure of life simplification, which I already knew internally. I just didn't know where it was going. I knew that's where the, I knew the direction, but I didn't know the destination at that point. Uh And so I released that book. I I did nothing special besides uh, I paid a a professional little boutique company to do the cover and layout for me. I launched it. The thing took off. And I didn't promote it. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'd written some health books, but did them real poorly. And that took me on another journey in life. And I realized I was going in a life simplification direction. So I went, I need to probably start documenting and writing about what I've been doing. It came up all organically from my passions. And that's why I talk about following your passion and your life purpose, because I didn't push it. It found me. You know, I, I let it happen to me without forcing anything. That's the key, I, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you speak about, I mean, people ask me if I've had a master plan for my career, you know, what I call my career. No, I just kind of followed my nose. And if it seemed to be attractive and I felt this internal, yes, it's kind of like, okay, I'll go in that direction, see what happens with it. And 
I've never been disappointed with that. It, it's actually always worked out in some way, shape, or form. So, and that was one of the reasons I was intrigued when um, uh, we started getting connected here was from a soul of business perspective, the simple life is your business, quote, unquote. And it, you didn't have to go find a soul for it. It, it was the expression of your soul's purpose. Or, you know, I mean, and I don't mean that, again, from a religious standpoint or a woo-woo standpoint, but from a life-giving standpoint. Your life is enhanced. You're more alive as a consequence of this than you ever would have been had you stayed with the federal government. I've got to assume. Oh, absolutely. And for me, I look at it as the circumstances had to happen for a reason, right? And I'm like you. I, I go by my gut. You know, growing up poor and no one handing you anything, you tend to learn what, what your gut tells you and to go with it. Yep. And sure, we'll into a ditch every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think by growing up that way, it gave me the perseverance of, of dealing with tough things, dealing with tough times and just not giving up. Mm -hmm. And also I've always been a little bit of a rebel. I just don't care what society is going to tell me what to do. Yeah. As long as I'm not doing anything that harms other people or inhibits them from finding their happiness and freedom, who cares? Yeah. You know, and if I'm doing no harm, so what? <laughs> you know, and that's how I feel. And that's truly what I think freedom represents, right? Yep. You know, long as you don't harm others in the pursuit of it, you know, pretty good. You know, you're yeah. fine. Not to get religious either, but the Ten Commandments were pretty basic. Yeah. You follow along that kind of line, you know, not that anything's perfect, but if you follow simple things, you know, treat people as you wish to be treated. You know, the golden rule, basic stuff. Here's a novel concept. Yeah, and people completely ignore it today because we're taught to be the ultimate consumer, which is basically saying only focus upon yourself. Yeah. And by doing that, and don't get me wrong, in order to help other people, you have to help yourself first. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean buy a bunch of useless stuff and try and take other people's money to make yourself happy. That's a exactly. totally different concept. Completely. And going back to nature and tribal, our you know, hunter-gatherer tribal lifestyle that we came from, again, people like to ignore that too. They think that we're these perfect beings and these apex predators. I teach people very quickly. I'll take you out around my house and I'll, you're not the apex predator. Sure. There's many things I got on my property that can eat you quickly mm -hmm. and you won't know what to do. But going back to that, I told, you know, you would be banished from your society by hoarding or trying to take more than you deserve. Yep. It was about sharing it because it was about survival. Yeah. Survival and the community. Yeah. And Bro, it, was, it, actually, it was actually more than, I mean, survival was the base, but it was, you, know, you set the, uh, yeah. you, you set the, uh, the system up, the, the tribe, the, the, the clan, whatever it may be to thrive when you're not hoarding, when you are actually sharing it, it sets up, an experience of abundance, a mindset of abundance. Uh, when there, there, I, I share because there's enough to go around. I share because now it's time to share. So there's you know, both sides to that, and it is a spectrum. But it's in service of thriving as a species, not just merely surviving. In jungles, species thrive when they're left to their own devices. Yes, there's a mitigating you know, force that kind of makes sure that nothing gets out of control, and that's exactly how it should be. Well, it's just like 99% of the organisms that have ever been on this planet have gone extinct mm -hmm. at some point or another. That's just a fact. Yeah. That's evolution. 
and for us, the, I think what, what I'm sure it does to you too, what kind of befuddles me is we have all the resources to live in nirvana. Oh, we really, we could all live in plenty. We could all have everything we need. And I don't mean that in a socialist concept. What I'm saying is you have to put in the effort. There's no free handouts. I don't believe in free handouts. I believe in a handout, not a handout. No one learns from that. But the fact that we have people dying of disease, people dying of starvation is ridiculous to me. You've got to be kidding me. And the reason that exists and the only reason it exists is greed and selfishness. Exactly. We can help every person on this planet to succeed and thrive. Instead, we've put some faux monetary system that is backed by nothing and ex- doesn't really exist in reality. And we've said, you can, you can survive and thrive. You can't because you hold a piece of paper that is meaningless. That's what I mean. And once you gain the power, it's almost like you can't fail. So if you're born on third base in your family, you know, out of millionaires, billionaires, the odds of you failing are almost zero. You know, but me and you, Blaine, we can fail all the time. Piece of cake, you know, <laughs> and we have to figure yeah. it out. And what it does is, again, it, it makes an uneven playing field. And what's the solution? I don't know. It's not redistribution of wealth or anything like that. It's about acting in compassion towards other human beings and helping. I don't want to force you to think that way. You have to figure that out on your own. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I can't, I'm, I'm not going to twist your arm and go, hey, Bill Gates, you know, I know you love Monsanto and going overseas and helping everyone else over there and poisoning them with <laughs> genetically modified crops. I won't get into that. Um, he's one of my favorites. That, you know, how about you do it on your own? And they have. Him and his wife have done some great things. But they also do some very bad things that if you dig a little deeper, you go, okay, so you're heavily invested in the company that just so happens to be providing the aid. You're a major stockholder in it. You just boosted the stock up by helping people in another country. and You're not even helping your own people in your own backyard. You know what I mean? Those things bug me. And it's not that everyone else doesn't need help. But... Again, I wouldn't want to go to Bill and go, okay, Bill, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to either punch you in the throat or you're going to do as I say, because that makes me just as bad as him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, and again, I kind of come back to the you know, yin-yang spectrum structures. Uh, if I'm going to do good, there are some areas where I'm going to not be hitting the mark. I mean, that's just kind of yeah, that's human. Way that, that, that's just kind of the way it works in my experience. Um, if I was doing it this way all the time, things would be out of balance. <laughs> and uh, so equilibrium you know, does come into play here a little bit. I want you to talk, if you can, as we just kind of begin to wind this down, about how people can find out more about what you're up to. Where can they get a hold of you? Where can they get uh, some uh, sense of you know, what your writings are about and uh, maybe even you know, what your plans are? Because you've got a couple of different lifestyle plans. Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot going on in the yeah. simple life universe right now. Um, complex I, life. Well, and what I had to do, and I've, I'm writing about this as well, is I had to make a decision. And this is, we'll talk, I want to get in the business side real quick before I get into that. Yeah. A lot, you come as an entrepreneur, you come to a crossroads. Either you can stay put, maintain your base, and you're happy with where you're at, 
or you have to push to the next level, right? I have decided to push to the next level because the simple life is turning into a movement. And for me to settle and say, I make enough money to survive and live the life I want is selfish. That's not going to grow and help more people. It's going to keep it very confined. I do not want to do that. I want to give everyone the opportunity and share the knowledge I have. But not only that, but I want those people to teach other people. That's the whole point of what I do. It's not to be some totalitarian on the simple life. It's about letting everyone else learn and teach each other to make everything better. That's what it's based upon. But my website is the main place, thesimplelifenow.com. I do not use social media. I stopped Facebook a year and a half. I never really used it, but I had to use it for the business. And I just, I couldn't do it. I, I just was sucking my soul. I couldn't do it anymore. And so I do use like Pinterest. I post stuff, but I don't use it very often. Twitter every once in a while, but I just would rather not use them at all. So the website is where you go sign up for the newsletter at thesimplelifenow.com forward slash freedom. That's where I do all my updates. That's where I tell you all my speaking events. That's where I share what I'm up to, what's coming, what I'm thinking about. And I have some exciting things coming. Podcast is going to be launched. I've done them in the past. I'm doing one all on my own this time. That's coming. Courses are coming. The Simple Life course series is coming out, on, online courses. A whole host of things. More, more speaking engagements. Anything I can do to spread the word. Then you've is got what I'm trying to do. Books, you know, the Simple Life book series. And they're available on my website and also available on Amazon and everywhere else. They're sold pretty much worldwide. And uh, yeah, I mean, what I do is what I do. There's what you see, <laughs> is what you see. You, people read the books and they go, your books are written just how you do your interviews and how you speak. I go, yeah, because I live this stuff. Yeah. I'm not some self-appointed self-help guru who uh, decided they were going to be a guru at in their 20s with no life experience. I, I hate that. That stuff drives me nuts. I never speak about things I do not know. I do not live. I do not understand. I am not a Google genius. I do it by butt in the seat, time in the salt mines. That's how I do it. Good, good. Well, you know, the definition of authenticity that I finally landed on, I, I, I teach a course called uh, Leadership Authenticity. And I, people are always, you know, how do you define authenticity? What is it? And I looked at Kierkegaard and I looked at Heidegger and I, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But I, eventually what I came down to was pretty simple. It's what I'm left with when I stop trying to impress you. My experience of you is that you are completely authentic. And, and what you speak to is, is that. It's kind of I, I live what I teach. I live what I talk. And that authenticity comes through, Gary. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, I, I, I don't know any other way. And for me, Sure, I may say things that might be a little abrasive here and there. I don't do it on purpose. It's not done. It's done to, to share my opinion and, and to teach. Well, and I don't do it for shock value at all. I don't believe in that either. Well, the soul of business is always generous when it's tapped into. And the simple life is your business. And when you speak, you speak from that position and from that place. I mean, that's, that's what the message is that I'm hearing. So, I yeah. Um, continue to do it. <laughs> Just absolutely continue to do it. Oh, and that's where people are, are in trouble. I've, I've, I've said once this thing got going and once it became started becoming a movement and some of the feedback I was getting, because I started this new direction about a year and a half ago, uh -huh. I just pivoted the whole company because being a health guy, 
And then off the grid book was a little bit confusing to people and they weren't quite sure what I was up to. And I told them, well, it's a journey. You got to be patient. You got to wait. Let me get there and then I'll share it. So I pivoted the company into the simple life and I'm glad I did because it, it makes a heck of a lot more sense to yeah. everyone and to me. But with that, I just told them, I went, you know, I'm here just to, to do what I do. I mean, if I, I investigated a lot of miserable millionaires in the white collar world. Mm-hmm. And what that taught me is you never want to spend your life looking over your shoulder because of all the enemies and all the people you've screwed during your life. Yeah. You do not. I've seen it firsthand. These people are miserable. They have money, but they are truly unhappy. Yep. I hear that. I absolutely do. Gary Collins, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it greatly. And thesimplelifenow.com is where you can find out more information about uh, Gary's work and also get access to his work. So again, thank you. This has been Blaine Bartlett, uh, the soul of business with Blaine Bartlett. And again, you can find out more information about me and what we're up to at blainebartlett.com and also at my company's website, which is avatar-resources.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, have a good rest of your afternoon, or your morning, or your evening, however you find it at this point in time. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.